You are listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome to The Game Plan Podcast on the Raiders Podcasting Network. Week 9, Sunday, November 8th, 2020, as the Silver and Black are in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium to take on the Chargers. Raiders come into this game 4-3, and three, a critical win in the snow and the weather in Cleveland. Chargers coming off a devastating loss on the last play of the game in Denver. That takes L.A.'s record to 2-5 and five on the year. Been thrilled. You know, we put this podcast together every week, and it's a work in progress because the roster could change. There's COVID issues. This has been, so far, a pretty clean week for the Raiders as we record this, and we got a lot of great guests who are going to break down this matchup, which I believe is a quarterback matchup. Even though Josh had an unbelievable game on the ground in Cleveland, this game is about two quarterbacks. Derek Carr, who is having another MVP caliber season to be in the conversation, and Justin Herbert, who's one of the best young players in the league. Big test. Big test for the Raiders because the Chargers are much better than that 2-5 and five record. This is one of the most injured teams in football the last three years. I've been talking three seasons. They've been snake bit early and got behind in their schedule, but they're much better than people are giving them credit for. like to review what happened, and we'll preview the game coming up. I thought the touchdown of Renfro in Cleveland was huge because the Raiders needed to put that game away. It was a ground attack game, but when they needed to make a pass play, they were able to pull it off. Carr takes a snap, looks in that direction, fires to Renfro. Renfro's got it in the end zone. Renfro with a touchdown that puts the Raiders ahead here in the fourth quarter. Hunter Renfro. And that call was reviewed just like the Ruggs call on what could have been a touchdown was reviewed. And the Landry drop that took away a touchdown was reviewed. There were a lot of plays in that game. A lot of plays in that game that went to the refs. And the Raiders got out of there with a win. Josh Jacobs carried the ball a career high 31 times for 128 rushing yards and led the way. Season high 208 total yards on the ground for the silver and black. And the run game was critical, but also the wind and the weather. Coach Gruden talked about that. Credit to Carlson for being able to kick the ball and make some field goals. I thought Derek threw the ball intermediately pretty good, but it was a real uh, obstacle for the, uh, the kickers and the quarterbacks for sure. This was a game where they had to navigate the win, and they decided to go on the ground, and it worked. And it worked, and they ran it downhill. They ran it downhill, and they pushed Miles Garrett and that Cleveland defense around. The physicality of the Raiders' offense has been tremendous this year. Without Trent Brown for most of the year and Richie Incognito, Denzel Good and the rest of this team deserves to be commended. That was a great performance by the O-line. Under tremendous pressure because they didn't know until right before the game started that Trent Brown would not play. And emotionally, they handled it well. The maturity, the team just said, hey, we got to go with what we got. And they went out and won the game. Very impressed with that all the way around. For Derek Carr, a lot of talk about these cold weather games, winning in Kansas City earlier this year. He just wants to go out there, compete every game, and put his team in a position to win. Today, I felt like in pregame, in the locker room, and as we took the field, I felt like there was nothing stopping us today because everyone's energy and juice. I mean, we're just going to have fun. You know, that's what we're here to do. You know, I've, I've been to the Pro Bowl. I've, you know, 
you know, gotten paid money and things like that. I, I don't care about that stuff. You know, I, I really don't. I want to win football games, and that's why I give it everything that I have. And so whenever we can win a game like this, it makes me pumped, you know, uh, especially with the way we had to grind it out. Derek's playing at such a high level. I mentioned the depth on the offensive line. Denzel Good was praised by Coach Gruden for being so important in that win. I mean, he's, he's been sensational. You know, the day we go out there, Colton didn't practice. You know, Gabe was limited. Uh, we, we did a good job uh, resting Rodney. Uh, Trent obviously is out. Incognito's been out, Gabe. I, I mean, uh, Denzel could probably play all four or five positions. He might be able to play two at a time if, if we need him to. But he's been great. Doesn't say a word. Low maintenance or no maintenance. And um, real pro's pro. We're happy to have him. Great. Thank you. All right, I've said this a few times this year. Go to Raiders.com or just stay on the Raiders app to see if there's any changes to the roster. From Arnett trying to come back to the decision weekly on Trent Brown or any player, the injury report is really important. I host the pre- and post-game show with Eric Allen on game day from Allegiant Stadium. We get that injury report, and it's a big part of the show deciding on who's going to be ready to go on game day. So there we go. Great win at Cleveland. Now the Chargers and what would have been unbelievable, I talked about it all week on Raider Nation Radio, that at this game, there was no COVID. There'd be 50,000, 60,000 Raider fans in SoFi. I'm telling you, this would have been, and it will remain the biggest road game every year for Raider fans because L.A. is one of the biggest markets for the Raiders. So the Chargers get a break that they don't have to play in front of the Raider fans. And that's an important point because SoFi is not letting in fans just like Allegiant Stadium. And the Raiders are going to go up against a team in the Chargers that have some pretty high rankings. They're number two in the NFL in total offense, putting up 417 yards a game. The Raiders are 11th at 379. The rush offense for the Chargers is about 10 yards more than the Raiders. They rush it for 136.7 yards a game. And their pass offense is ranked higher than the Raiders. Overall, six compared to the Raiders at 16. They put up 280 yards a game. Now, I think the Raiders are going to get ready to explode here coming up. In good weather, this offense is ready to roll. Let me give you some defensive stats. Again, they're both kind of middle of the road. Total defense, Raiders 21st, Chargers 18th. Rush defense, Raiders 14th, giving up 117.1. Chargers 12th at 112.3. So I look at all these defensive stats. These teams mirror each other. But the turnover ratio is important. These teams with turnovers, the Raiders are minus four. That's ranked 25th, and the Chargers are minus three at 24th. And they're almost identical when it comes to penalties on the year so far. Raiders 36, Chargers 37. Hopefully the flags stay in the refs' pockets in this unbelievable rivalry over the years. I got to get to Justin Herbert here in the open of the podcast, The Game Plan. I'm shocked he's playing this well. He was not supposed to play until Tyrod Taylor got injured by the Chargers' own medical team when he got a shot, and it hurt him, and he didn't play. And then Herbert came in, and he's just played at a really high level. So the Raiders have to worry about him because he's got a big arm. He's not flustered. He comes into this game with a couple of big losses, but he's not the reason why this team is losing games. Look at the numbers. 18 yards separate Carr and Herbert. Uh, Derek's got 1,838. Justin Herbert, 1,820. Completion percentage. Derek, 
at 71.1, Herbert at 67.4. And how about passing touchdowns? Derek 14, Justin Herbert 15. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I hope it's a passing game, but the Raiders just showed that they can run it, and maybe Josh Jacobs and ball control will be the key. The Raiders, 4-3, and three, are currently in second place in the AFC West, eighth in the AFC playoff picture. Las Vegas will play all three AFC West rivals in Week 9 through 11 at the Chargers, Denver, and Kansas City at home. The Raiders are 3-1 and one on the road this season which is fantastic. And when you look at Josh Jacobs, he ranks seventh in the NFL in rush yards with 522 this season and career highs, 31 carries, 128 yards at Cleveland. That's a big deal. And Darren Waller hopefully gets going. He leads the Raiders with 45 receptions, 373 yards. But these Chargers receivers are good. Oh, man, are they good. Keenan Allen, Leads the Chargers with 53 receptions, 548 yards. He can get up for any ball. And they're a little banged up as a Bosa in concussion protocol. We'll see what happens on game day. And the Chargers are 1-5 since Herbert became the starting quarterback in Week 2. So as great as he's been playing, they've been losing games. Final point, this is a wounded animal. The Chargers are good. The Raiders know it. I talked to John Gruden and interviewed him Thursday. I could tell. I could tell how focused he is on this one because of the matchup and the personnel. The Raiders secondary is going to have their hands full with these Charger receivers and tight ends. They're going to look to attack the Raiders over the middle of the field. Well, that's what uh, we've all been, you know, uh, asking for. We've all been uh, saying, hey, extend a couple plays. Come on, once you extend a couple plays, and today – he extended a couple plays, and those were, I think, the plays that were the secret sauce in the win today. So we begin the game plan with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Warren Moon joins us as we get set for the Raiders at the Chargers. Warren, so good to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, JT. It's, uh, it's been a great start to the NFL season so far, and it uh, looks like it's going to come right down to the, to the wire as usual as far as the playoffs and, uh, and who actually represents the two conferences in the Super Bowl. Let me jump in before we get into this individual matchup with the addition of more playoff teams from six to seven where we got seven and now they're talking about eight. Are you okay with this because it's an isolated COVID year or do you think that's something that the NFL will like because of the television revenue and want to continue with that format? Yeah, that's probably the main reason they're doing is adding the teams for more television revenue, especially if, if some more teams uh, continue to test positive uh, for the virus and maybe have to cancel some games. So they, they want to be able to get, get that those games uh, replaced somehow, but hopefully it doesn't come to that. I, I like the format that they came up with. They're going to add one extra team to it, but uh, I don't think you should uh, water it down any more than that. A Raiders coming off a win at Cleveland in a complete snow game, which was com- out of control. They ran the ball. They did everything right there. Derek Carr is having a heck of a year. It looks like another Pro Bowl year for Carr. What do you like about his play this year? You know, I like, first of all, the way he's taking care of the ball. You know, he only has two interceptions in the, through the first seven games. Uh, he's, he's throwing at a high percentage. 
uh, over 70%, and he's also spreading the ball around to a lot of different people. You know, he's got 14 touchdown passes, but he's thrown 14 touchdown passes to eight different guys. So he's moving the ball around, uh, he's taking care of it, and he's also, uh, you know, being effective, getting everybody involved. So I like the way Derek's playing this year. He's got a one 110.2 quarterback rating, Warren, and, you know, if he's taking shots, he's got Waller, he's got Witten, he's got tight ends there, he's got a great running back in Josh Jacobs, and he's running more. And you were a guy, when you came into the league, you could always run it, and then you picked your spots because you had the big arm. What's it like for a quarterback when they're being told in year seven, hey, you got to run a little bit more. you got to create plays outside the pocket. Get two first downs in a game and extend some plays. Well, that's something he's always had the ability to do, and for some reason he was hesitant to do that. And, and it's good that he's starting to do it now because he's, it's only going to make him a more valuable quarterback because you see the quarterbacks of today are, are, are dual quarterbacks. They can move around. They can buy time. They can make plays happen outside of the pocket, and they can run the football when they need to make that happen. And Derek has that ability, so now he's finding using it. And another thing I like that he's doing, he's pushing the ball down the field a little bit more, something that he he was reluctant to do uh, in his first few years in the league. And he's got some guys that he can throw it to now in Aguilar and also in Ruggs that can really get down there and take the top off the defense. So uh, as long as he keeps uh, creating and, and extending his game the way he's doing now, there's no reason why he can't be one of the better quarterbacks in this league. Warren Moon joins us. And, Warren, that John Gruden offense should go back a long way with Coach Gruden. Have you seen him evolve now with rugs and formations? I've always thought that was the key for John is these formations. And now he has multiple players that he can put in motion. And he's got Hunter Renfro that can run that really quick route the way Brady had Edelman and Amendola and those type of players who could get open in a big spot on third down. They look like they have great chemistry. Yeah, I think Coach uh, Coach Gruden is really adapting to what, what's going on in the NFL today. You know, he was in this league for a long time, but he was out of it also for, for 10 years. And even though he was uh, still around the game in the broadcast booth, he wasn't in there uh, designing plays and all those different things that he's doing now. So he understands uh, what this game is all about and how it's changed. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit more wide open. It's a lot more uh, of the uh, run-pass option type of stuff, and, and he's adapted to that. And he also uh, understands that you have to be able to play different styles against different teams. It's just like last week, that was a totally different style in that football game against the uh, the Cleveland Browns because of the conditions, and they were able to make that adjustment and, and, and adjust his play calling and run the football and do the things that it took to win that game. And who knows, it might be a totally different game plan this week uh, depending on you know what the, what the conditions are going to be like. So uh, I like how John has adapted to the game, and, and uh, he's made the transition, and, and, and they're having success because of it. Your great career with the Huskies. Now I look at Justin Herbert coming from Oregon. The way he got in to the league, got into the game, excuse me, early with Tyrod Taylor, the mistake that was made uh, by the Chargers medical team. He jumps in, and he's been nothing but great since. A 104.5 quarterback rating, 15 touchdowns, five interceptions, and what a big arm, Warren. He just looks like he's comfortable in a clean pocket and can make every throw. Yeah, I think everybody knew he had all that coming into the league. They just didn't know if it was, if it was going to adapt as fast as it has. And, and you've got to be impressed by a young guy who gets the call like five minutes before a game that you have to start because of what happened uh, with, with their starting quarterback, uh, Tyrod Taylor, and, and all of a sudden he goes in there as if he had been practicing the whole week as a starter and, and having starter reps. And, and people don't understand, when you're the backup, you don't get a lot of reps in practice. A lot of that has to come you know, through mental reps and watching tape. So 
uh, for him to go out there and perform the way he did in his first performance and what he's been able to do week in and week out after that, been pretty amazing for a young rookie quarterback who wasn't expected to play much this year. Now, even though you didn't play in this rivalry, Warren, you know the history between the Oakland Raiders, L.A. Raiders, San Diego Chargers. Chargers end up going to Carson, then they go to L.A. with the Rams. And Mark Davis gets his own stadium here in Vegas, which I can't wait for you to see it. It's going to blow you away. Everything that's happening there in SoFi Stadium is absolutely gorgeous. So this rivalry has a long tradition, and now both teams have new stadiums to grow that rivalry. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, these two new show places can't uh, can't be showcased the way they should be because, like you said, I've seen the Raiders Stadium from the outside in Vegas, but I haven't been on the inside, but I've heard nothing but great things about it. And then the same thing in in L.A. Um, at SoFi Stadium. That, that's another uh, great piece of architecture. So it's too bad the fans can't enjoy this, especially for the Chargers, because they've been planning a soccer stadium the last couple of years, and uh, you know, 27,000 seats, they couldn't even get those filled. And then you have the Raiders, what they had to deal with those last few years in Oakland. So for them to both have new stadiums and not be able to play in them, uh, that first year w- was tough, but it- it's good they're able to play in there now, but not have the, f- the fa- not having the fans and the excitement and the the adrenaline that goes along with that is a big piece of it. But I think uh, all the teams around the league are adjusting well, and they're they're still playing good football w- without that part of it. But that's something we all play for when we go into the NFL. We we play for the crowd because basically we're entertainers, and mm-hmm. you miss not having that crowd. Uh, involved in the game. Warren, finally, are you optimistic at week nine of the NFL with all the COVID concern and players isolating and then affecting a whole offensive line who might not be able to practice if one person is contact tracing next to someone? We're going to have colder weather coming up here, maybe a second wave. The NFL wants to get the season in, possibly moving the Super Bowl back, extending the playoffs as we opened up our conversation with. Where do you stand with the league going forward with your optimism? You know, I think the league's trying to do whatever they can to try and keep these guys safe, and they're trying to... uh increase the the uh, the protocols i think now you're going to have to have a a mask on the sideline for players as well especially after the games when you interact with other players and they're trying to do whatever they can to step up the safety of it but a lot of it's going to fall on the players and they're they're just going to have to be a little bit more responsible than they've already been because of the things you said uh people going indoors you know there's flu season now and there's probably going to be a lot more cases so the players are going to have to be that much more diligent as far as making sure they're doing all the right things to keep themselves safe, keep their teammates safe, and also keep their families safe, which is the most important thing. Hey, last thing in the Raider Nation, Tom Flores is up as the only coaching candidate for the Hall of Fame. Charles Woodson looks like he'll go in first ballot. Uh, how much are you missing the Hall of Fame? When you put that gold coat on and you see your fellow peers, former teammates, everybody that you love, that's a big rite of passage for you every year from the, the dinners and the parades and everything you do. Uh, we got to get this back on track and get that into the calendar again. Yeah, I definitely missed not going this week, this past uh, August for that weekend because I haven't missed a weekend since I was inducted. But I am on the uh, the, the board of trustees of the Hall of Fame, so I'm involved in board meetings about every a uh, month and a half, so I, I'm up to speed on everything that's going on with the Hall, and I'm also on the advisory board for the players. So there's a lot still going on this behind the scenes, but, yeah, that, that weekend that they have every year when they induct the new classes, that's something very, very special, and, and I'll be glad when they can get that back on track. Thank you, Warren. I greatly appreciate your time. You're a great friend, and uh, thank you, and all the best to you and your family. All right, JT, same thing to you, and stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you. The great Warren Moon, thrilled that we could talk to him. You know, when we put this game plan podcast together, I like to go big game hunting. 
I like to go find people that can talk about something specific. I thought this week with the podcast, it was about the quarterbacks. Derek's playing at a high level. I'm not hearing a peep out of anybody about Derek. All the critics, all the TV pundits, nothing negative on him. And then Justin Herbert, everybody's talking about how great he is. And Warren talked about his play. So a lot of our conversation on the game plan has been about the quarterback play this week. And I think the Raiders have to be concerned that Justin Herbert, if he's not flushed out of the pocket, if he has a clean pocket, he's got an advantage with these wide receivers. The Chargers wide receivers are legit, and the Raiders are going to have to have a tremendous game plan for a rookie quarterback who's never played in this rivalry. Find a way to win, however it takes. And so uh, we found a way to win, and when, when able, whenever you're able to do it the way that we did it, everyone has to deal with the conditions, but a team coming from Las Vegas, the desert, you know, a team that you know, comes from the West Coast, came out here into the cold weather, terrible weather, and all that, and get a win, that's a good feeling, especially on the road. Touchdown, Las Vegas. Since starting Allegiant some 20 years ago, we've flown more than 100 million people to be with those they love. We're pilots, flight attendants, and technicians, but we're also parents, spouses, and neighbors. And just like you, we're excited to reconnect with the people and places that matter most. That's why we're going the distance for health and safety, on the ground and in the air. Because the further we go now, the safer it'll be to go farther tomorrow. Allegiant, the official airline of the Las Vegas Raiders. Low fares, nonstop flights, only at Allegiant.com. Thanks to Warren Moon, and I wanted to share something with everybody. Every Wednesday night on NFL Radio on Sirius XM, I get a chance to co-host Silver and Black Radio with the great Mike Haynes, the Hall of Famer. Really proud of that show. Always wanted to get on the dial with NFL Radio, and the Raiders help us secure some great guests. This week we had on Rodney Hudson. And Matt Millen, and Matt Millen, the former Raider, the four-time Super Bowl champion, said something that I thought was really special, and I wanted you to hear it. Matt Millen joins us. Matt, i got to ask you, when you came out of Penn State and All-American, you come to this Raider organization. I mean, that's like winning the lottery. You play at the highest level for arguably the best program. You come to Al Davis and the Raiders with all these great players. How important was that transition, not only for you as a football player, but for the rest of your life when it came to leadership? Well, you know, that's a great question because, and I, I don't, you know, Mike's had a lot of uh, experiences too with different, with different people in their lives, but Al, Al Davis, Al Davis changed my life. He really did. Just the way he operated, the opportunities he gave me, um, you know, just, he just changed a whole bunch of things. And then I had the great fortune to be able to spend time with John Madden. You know, those are just Raider guys, and those guys, the guys and my teammates, like, I play with Mike. Let me tell you something. Mike Haynes, I, I say this all the time, Mike Haynes is the best corner I have ever watched, bar none. I don't care who you want to put in the conversation. You can talk about Dion. You can talk about any of them. I don't care who it is. Mike Haynes could cover. Mike Haynes could blitz. Mike Haynes would tackle. And Mike Haynes got up and like it was his job. Like, yeah, okay, sure, I'll t- yeah, I'll take that guy. No big deal. It w- he was. We had a bunch. We didn't have a bunch like that, but we had a bunch of really, really good players. And it was just, it was just fun to be around, and it was a joy to see guys how they like to work, you know, how they love to win, how they love to compete, and you know that rubs off on each other. And and pretty soon you got a pretty darn competitive team. 
Well, they've been missing Melvin Ingram for some time. They get Melvin back, and then yesterday in the two-minute drill at the end of the game, Bosa's out of the game. I think the, the front of the Chargers is where they, they really uh, make it happen. They've got an outstanding pass rush uh, when they're available and when they're together. I think they've got a young linebacker from Oklahoma that's on the rise. And they have a scheme Gus Bradley has uh, proven uh, goes, a long way, goes a long way in the playoffs. It's a winning scheme. And uh, they've had some turnover, losing Derwin James. They've had have some guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, but they're still capable of making big plays and really collapsing the pocket and getting after your quarterback. Andrew Siciliano joins us, NFL Network, Red Zone, a longtime friend of the show, good friend off the air. And, Andrew, let's jump in. The team of your youth, the Browns and the Raiders, your takeaway on that snow game and how the Raiders were able to get out of Cleveland with a win. Hey, man, I, I give them credit, JT. Good to talk to you. I give them credit for um... – I hate to say one team is tougher than the other. I, I think that's real easy from a from a climate-controlled studio. But uh, the Raiders ran the ball, and they controlled the clock, and they did what you have to do as the road team or the home team, for that matter, in those conditions, and they won. I mean, there, there are a lot of crazy stats this week. There are every week. But the idea that the Browns only had six possessions in, in a 60-minute National Football League game, I, I think is, is one of the stats of the week. The Raiders um, dominated when they needed to dominate, and uh, a tip of the cap to them, especially considering the fact they didn't have Trent Brown and everything that happened there, and um, they, they did it. That's a huge win for them on the road in lousy conditions. I was talking to somebody in Cleveland today uh, who, who was upstairs in um, – you know, the broadcast side of things, and said it was as cold and uncomfortable as they had been in that stadium in, like, nine years. You think they were a little bit conservative with Baker Mayfield in that game? I know you couldn't throw it. Carr said it, but Carr was able to run more than Mayfield, which I was surprised. Josh Jacobs was the difference in that game. And for the Browns, who are still on pace to be a playoff team, Miles Garrett wasn't 100% in the second half. No to Odell Beckham Jr., and Nick Chubb, because with that two-headed monster at running back, when the Browns are healthy and they get Chubb back, they're going to be tough to stop on the ground. Yeah, I don't know if they were overly conservative. Um, I think both quarterbacks, and you, and you saw, both quarterbacks came back early and had passes just die in the wind and in the first quarter. And I don't know if the wind died down, and maybe that's why Derek was able to hit some a little bit later, but I, I think the Browns were probably, um, you know, Scared off by that wind after a couple of passes went nowhere. I also think that the Browns' run game, uh, since they've lost Nick Chubb, but even equally as important since they've lost right guard Wyatt Teller, who was playing like an all-pro the first month of the season, has taken a big hit. They need Nick Chubb back. They think they may get him back after the bye, so week 10. Um, and, and still through all of that, through all, all of those things we just said, if David Njoku catches that third down pass in the fourth quarter when they are right around the Raiders' 40, I think, well, he gets a first down. I think he could turn the corner and get maybe five to ten more yards. I think they win the game. I, I really do. Um, and Baker, Baker, when he had to throw there late, was, was slinging it, and his guys let him down. Um, and, and, yes, full disclosure, you know, JT, I'm a bit of a Browns fan. I think the Jarvis Landry and Hunter Renfro plays were identical. I think they're either both touchdowns or neither is a mm. touchdown. I, I'm confused by the fact that they were ruled differently. 
Andrew Siciliano joins us. Andrew, take us through your world on Red Zone and your NFL Network work when you take a look and report on John Elway testing positive for COVID or a number of Ravens pop up with COVID, at least protocol. The Raiders, as you mentioned, had it with Trent Brown. It took out the offensive line for a week of practice leading up to the Tom Brady game. Every day, what is it like for you in studio when you meet with your producers and you're getting the list of people that could be involved with this pandemic? Well, I'll start with the meet with the producers part. You know, we're we're like a lot of businesses. We're we're pretty much working remotely. Um, I'm in there every day, but um, there are days that go by, JT, where I don't see anybody. Like, literally, I don't see another human being. Uh, I'm in the newsroom by myself, and we're all kind of working in our own little corners. And I think that kind of kind of sums up what these other teams are dealing with as well. You know, they're trying to organize football activities, and it is hard. Um, the NFL is, is not in a bubble. Um, I don't know that it should be, but everyone knows just turning on the news, COVID is real, and COVID is something that is not getting better. Um, it, it is getting worse, I think, in, in flu season here. So uh, the league has been able to weather that storm through now eight full weeks. You're at the halfway point. It's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. As we do our shows every day, you want to make sure you're talking about football. Very often, however, our lead stories are COVID stories. Um, It's just a fact of life. Um, and, you know, uh, everyone has to be vigilant, and, and hopefully we keep on going. Andrew, for one of the first times in my career, because, you know, when we cover the NBA over the years in sports talk radio, I don't like tanking. I don't like load management. It actually drives me crazy, and I'm sensing I don't like what I'm seeing with the NFL trade deadline. It comes and goes. It looks like a lot of teams with two wins or less are just saying, look, take some of these contracts away from us. We'll do deals. Not as flat as I expected at the trade deadline, but are you concerned with a lot of teams that are just looking not so much to bail, but if you add COVID-19 into it, some of the concerns with contracts, the draft next year, seems like there are a couple of teams that might be tapping out. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There wasn't a lot of action. I actually actually thought that we'd see more teams sell more. I thought we'd see the Vikings. I'm sorry, um, the Falcons sell a little um i think the nfc east for example jt complicates things like what are the eagles i mean they're a first round team i'm sorry a a first place team and right now a playoff team but are they any good like do you if you're howie roseman are you a buyer a buyer for what to get to eight and eight like i don't know and then lose to the saints in the first round at home um the vikings they traded in gawkway which made sense because they weren't going anywhere but then they went and they beat the Packers. So now are they all of a sudden buyers? I, I don't think so. It is complicating things um, that the salary cap is going down next year, we think, because of the revenue shortfall. And, listen, with the COVID on-ramp, you, you can't trade for a guy on a Tuesday like the, the Ravens did last year for Marcus Peters and have him play Sunday. You just can't do that. You got to get him tested. You got to get him acclimated in the building. So I thought, for example, the Browns might make a deal, or other teams that have buys this week, because you have that off week to get the guy up to speed and get him tested. Um, you know, if if pick a team, pick a playoff team, made a deal today and they were playing Sunday, that player wouldn't play. So you're not getting them. You're getting them for one less week. There are so many factors here. 
Uh, and I think a lot of teams ask for too much, like the Texans allegedly wanting a two for Will Fuller. I love Will Fuller. Guy can't stay healthy. You're giving up a two? Andrew Siciliano, uh, as we wrap this up, i got to ask you about the potential, as Chris Mortensen reported, on moving from seven to eight playoff teams because of COVID concerns, possibly moving the playoffs back, maybe the Super Bowl back a week or two. What are you hearing? This is a fluid situation. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it for one year. I'm in Vegas. The Raiders getting a seventh seed or an eighth seed would be great for this economy and great for the league. But in general, I don't want to see too many changes like we saw in baseball. That kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, JT, I'm with you on that. I, I, I will say this, and Mike Tomlin was asked about it during his conference call as they get ready for the Cowboys because he's on the competition committee. He confirmed, yeah, that they had the meeting, that, yeah, they're talking about contingencies. But he told the company line, as has been the line the entire year, listen, the goal is to play all 16 games. So, yeah, they've talked about it. Um, but it's only in case of emergency where, hey, I mean, God forbid you, you have to lop off the last two weeks of the season. Then maybe, to be fair, you add an extra team. I don't like the concept. Um, I, I don't like mid-season playoff format changes. It seems like a – wasn't it like 15, 20 years ago the NBA decided like to change the number of games in the first round after the season had began? I, 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 I might be remembering that wrong. Um, I don't like it, but I, I don't know that you'd have a lot of opposition if, say, the week after Thanksgiving they go, yep, Regular season's over. Um, I think you'd have a lot of teams going, wait a minute, I'm one game out and I had three games to go. Thanks. So um, I guess we'll cross that bridge if we have to get to it. Thanks for making time for us. All the best, my friend. Always, JT. Good to talk to you. I don't look past the Chargers at all. You know, they they had the Buccaneers down 24-7. to They had the Saints down 20-3. to They had the Chiefs beat. They had them third and 20 and lost the game. We're not looking past the Chargers. we got a lot of guys hurt. We're just trying to figure out how to get ready uh, to put our best foot forward again on Sunday. But you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a great opportunity. But if we look any further ahead than tomorrow, we're not very smart. So as we wrap up the game plan, I bring in someone that's got a big voice in L.A. and in San Diego where the Chargers used to play. From Westwood One, ESPN L.A. and the Mighty 1090 in San Diego, my good friend Scott Kaplan to break down this game on the game plan. And, Cap, the end of that game for the Chargers was one of the all-time choke jobs to me. I mean, walk me through the end of that game and how it played out in Denver. So, it's interesting. You know, former Raider quarterback Rich Gannon is on the call of the game. And Gannon starts talking in the fourth quarter about how the Chargers look gassed. Okay, it's Denver. There's altitude. We get it. But Joey Bosa went out of the game with a concussion. And Gannon goes on to say that Melvin Ingram, who's really the other rush defensive end side on the other side from Bosa, he's like, you know, he doesn't look right. He looks heavy, puffy, watery, fat is what he was saying. And the Charger defense just collapsed again. And it happens, JT, so frequently. I mean, it's historic. This is the first team, and the stats have been out there this week, but has, has had a, a win probability of 95% or higher. They were 99% win probability to win this game. Now, by the way, win probability, brand new statistic. It's new to me too. Uh, I'm using it as if everybody knows exactly what it is and we've been using it our whole lives. But think about that. It's a statistic that says the likelihood of this team winning when you're up 24 to three in the NFL is 98%. And they found a way to lose. 
they did the same thing against Tom Brady. They had Tom Brady beaten in Tampa Bay. They found a way to give that game back. They had Kansas City beaten earlier in the year. They found a way to lose that game. They keep taking these 16, 17-point leads, and they find ways to blow games. There's, there's something really wrong inside the organization. It doesn't matter what city they play in. It doesn't matter what, what coach they have. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It's an organizational problem. It, it's the kind of organization where, and Raider fans won't like to hear this, but it's the kind of organization where somebody gives a player a shot before a game and pretty much devastates their career. It's just that's who the Chargers are. It doesn't matter where they are. It's the same franchise just in a polished new stadium that the Rams own. Scott Kaplan, ESPN LA, the Mighty 1090 in San Diego, Westwood One, all the work that he does covering the NFL as good as anybody. I want to stay with the Chargers and the stadium. As they're trying to build a brand in the number two media market, they get very fortunate with Justin Herbert. I mean, that's the type of guy you bring in, not Tyrod Taylor. You don't go after. Remember the Tom Brady talk initially? Yeah, he would have sold tickets, but it's a pandemic. And I think he's the type of quarterback now that could sell tickets in Los Angeles for the Chargers if they don't remain snake bit. I mean, Cap, the last two or three years, that by week four or five, they're decimated with injuries. They dig a hole, and it's just too late for them to ever dig out of that hole. You know, JT, there was another stat the other day um, that somebody had read to me. In the last five years, the Chargers have 38 losses that are one-score games, so eight points or fewer. Can you imagine in the last five years that they've lost that many games by less than one point? And, yeah, it's, it's always the same thing. It's always about injuries, and then injuries lead to losses. And then it was Phillip Rivers throwing interceptions in the fourth quarter because he was just you know, playing on, on his heels and trying to make something happen. And, and so what they have now – is they have exactly what they needed. They have a young superstar quarterback. And the quarterback is not like Jared Goff. You know, Jared Goff fits more into the traditional pocket passer type of quarterback. And, and this kid, Justin Herbert, he fits into the new style of quarterback, the, the, the same style of quarterback that the kid plays up in Buffalo, or to a much lesser degree, the same style of quarterback that you look around the rest of the league, and whether it's Kyler Murray or, or, or you know, Patrick Mahomes, you, know, you look around the running style, you know, big thrower, guy who can do it both. Um, that's what they have now in this kid, Justin Herbert. And, and besides that, you know, he's put up these huge numbers in his rookie year where he's kind of called off the bench minutes before a game. So there's already like a legend being built. And the, the thing is, JT, when he takes off his helmet, he kind of looks like a young Brad Pitt. You know, I mean, I know it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but if, if, if Brad Pitt is, is, is available at 25 years old, he's going to play this kid in a movie. The, the kid's got superstar good looks. He's got an incredible game. His problem is he plays for the junior varsity team. Imagine he plays for the Clippers. So you can be Kawhi Leonard and you can be a superstar, but when you play for the Clippers and you go to a Rams game and they put you on the Jumbotron, you know what happens? Everybody boos you because you're a Clipper, not a Laker. And that's who the Chargers are. They're the Clippers. Uh, Scott Kaplan. Uh, Cap, it's amazing that Dean Spanos, Mark Davis, when they looked at Carson, and I don't blame either one of them. I mean, both of them were running into headwinds. Spanos in San Diego, where a lot of people just said, get the money, privately do it, build it. But you know the politics down in California as good as anybody, especially San Diego. And I'm pretty close to the owner of the Raiders, and they looked at Carson, but the best thing that happened is the Raiders came in third, had to go back to Oakland, and then they put together this miracle deal. 
and now have one of the greatest deals in the history of sports. At least it looks that way on paper, minus the pandemic, as they have the Death Star in Vegas right off the strip. Every ticket sold. It's incredible. JT, so I follow all your tweets, and I, I love when I was looking at it this past weekend, and you were saying, hey, we're getting ready for the broadcast. Now, of course, things have changed a lot in the world, and you were showing a picture of the field, and it had the UNLV markings on it. I'm like like a moron. I'm like, yo, are they going to change out the field or what? Not even looking at the fact that the Raiders were playing in Cleveland. <laughs> but it, it's so amazing. Mark Davis comes out the big winner. Listen, you can look at Stan Kroenke, and you can say he built a $5 billion super stadium in L.A., and you can look at Dean Spanos and say – he got to go play in the Super Stadium without paying for any of it. And you might think that those two guys got a really good deal. I can tell you this. Kroenke was pissed the whole time. He didn't want to have to share the, the stadium with Spanos. And the fact is, his NFL owner brothers said, just please do us a favor. You build the stadium and let them be your tenant. And that doesn't feel good for Kroenke. And it, it's embarrassing for the Chargers. And when you look at what the Raiders did, Mark Davis, who people like to ridicule because of his funny haircut or his, his goofy kind of jackets, either way, Mark Davis outsmarted all of them. Mark Davis got the new market, got the new stadium, had everybody else in the world pay for it, and he did what he needed to do, which was bring his asset. Hey, you, you want my asset? Build me a new stadium. And Vegas was ready, and they did it. Uh, in San Diego, they weren't going to do it. The taxpayers weren't going to do it. They hated Spanos in this town. If, if Spanos had a, uh, had a, a good reputation, if he was known as, phil- as being philanthropic or caring, or if he even just had a little bit of charisma in front of the camera, things could have maybe been different. But I'm telling you, Mark Davis, he won. Take care, Cap. Thanks for joining us. If everybody could just download my app, Sided Debates, S-I-D-E-D. Thanks for letting me promote that, JT. Much love. Thanks to all of our guests, especially Warren Moon. I really liked his analysis of the quarterbacks. Raider fans, keep it going. Raiders have a chance to build momentum in the month of November, and you'll get all the information and behind-the-scenes content at Silver and Black Productions at Raiders.com. I'm JT. Have a great game on Sunday in L.A., and next week we'll get you ready for the Denver Broncos on The Game Plan. Thank you for listening to The Game Plan on the official Raiders Podcast Network.